we're live? Oh, man. Awesome. Cole Barbieri, thanks for coming, man. How's it going? Uh, it's going good. Um, yeah, you guys are welcome. Uh, couldn't be more stoked to be honest with you guys. Hi. Hell yeah, brother. We really appreciate it, man. Um, just some context for the listeners. Uh, aside from TJ, this is pretty much our first time sitting down and ever having a conversation <laughs> together. Um, yeah. I stalked her Instagram a little bit to try to get a sense of like what you do beforehand. And you do a lot of crazy shit. So <laughs> I think maybe the best thing to start with is like um, explain to us like what exactly you do. Um, um, you want to bring that mic a little <laughs> bit closer to your face too? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, nowadays I'm kind of, I kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, I grew up racing motocross and, uh, pretty much a dream was to go pro at racing motocross and went for that ended up getting hurt and kind of decided I was going to cut ties with that and go chase something else. So at that point kind of moved back home. I was living down in Southern California and doing the whole gig down there. So I moved home, went to work and, uh, just kind of started learning my dad's company and working for him and working my way up there. And uh, a couple years later, he was looking to retire, and I was able to take over a small portion of his business from him. So I got a North Coast Wine now, which is a wine transportation company up here in Sonoma, Napa Valley. Um, I got 13 trucks running right now. Um, we haul bulk wine pretty much, which is like the wine you drink. We haul it in a tanker, um, 6,500 gallons at a time. And it's, I don't know, it's a cool gig. I enjoy it a lot. I like the truck part of it a lot. It's kind of, get to build the trucks. And I, I take a lot of pride in making them look good and do stuff like that. So that's the part I enjoy about it. But, uh, yeah, it's, we're right here in Napa, wine, count, wine country, whatever you want to call it. So it's, the work's pretty easy in this area. So it's, I like it a lot. It's badass. I mean, definitely want to go in on, like, more the business and all the philosophies you have behind that. But, um. You went pretty far in, like, moto and stuff before just hanging all that up. Why don't you go more in depth on that? Yeah. No, uh, I was I was going for it in moto. I started racing when I was uh, five. I think I got my first bike for my fifth birthday and uh, did my first race right before I turned six. And uh, around 2004, I think, I was eight. Went and started doing some local nationals and went down to, like, Las Vegas for one. And then... Uh, by the time I was nine, I was pretty much all in. I was going all over the country, qualifying regionals and area qualifiers to go back to Loretta Lynn's Ranch in Tennessee. is kind of like the biggest amateur race of the year. Everyone shoots to make it to that race. They only take uh, 40 people from the from the world, really, to go race back there. And so, uh, yeah, when I was nine, I tried qualifying for that and qualified. And then uh, a couple days later, I ended up breaking my first brown Broke my right femur really bad. It was actually on 7707. That's the strongest bone in the body, too, right? Yeah. So yeah, they said it was supposed Damn. to be the luckiest day of the century or wherever the hell it was. I don't know. But <laughs> that was the day. Yeah, it, it wasn't so lucky for me. I got hauled out, and it was like 115 degrees. I was down in, uh, like, Brentwood area. I remember getting hauled out in the back of someone's van. They had no AC in the thing, and I was laying on a piece of plywood with a broken leg. And, uh, yeah, no, it wasn't a fun day. So that's kind of... The whole getting hurt thing started there, but I mean, it's also right when I first started going fast, and it's kind of you go fast, you crash, you get hurt at moto. It's it's kind of a gamble. So, but from there, I mean, I raced till I was a uh, seventeen, eighteen, or no, nineteen maybe. I think is whenever I gave it up. But yeah, I went back to Loretta Lynn's race pretty much every year after that. Um, in two thousand sixteen, I think it was, I actually got third place back there, both my classes. Um, I was on Team USA for Junior World Championships, both 
2015 and 2016, I believe. And then uh, after that, had a factory Yamaha ride in 2016. And at the end of that year, I ended up breaking my femur again. Fuck. Which same one? Same right femur wow. again. And uh, went to get surgery on that, which the first, I'd actually broken my left one too. So first two times I broke it, it kind of was like a cakewalk. I got surgery. I was walking in a couple days. and <clears throat> Damn. It's 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 a big bone and it takes a while to heal. But as far as the surgery goes for it, they can actually reconstruct it really good. They put a really thick rod in it, and it uh, you can go back to doing your normal life pretty quick. It just takes a lot of rehabilitation to get the muscles all moving right, and then you got to let the bone heal completely before you can really take an impact on it. But as far as like walking and stuff goes, you can go right back into that pretty much. So my uh, third time I broke it, I was still in the recovery room and it was two or three days after surgery and it was like the day they wanted me to get out of bed and start walking on it and so I started walking on it and it just felt weird from like the first time I walked on it but uh I went home and I kind of was lightly putting pressure on it walking on it here and there and it was like I could just hear this like crunching and oh. weird shit in my leg and <laughs> so uh I don't know it was like two or three weeks later I went in for a checkup and the whole top of my leg was shattered which it wasn't originally shattered. It was just was a clean break. And so is what happened is when the surgeon put the rod in, he drilled out the inside of my bone more and it made it super thin and it shattered my whole femur. Oh my God. So after that, I had to have, I think I had three more surgeries after that just to reconstruct my leg. I was out for like a year, couldn't walk for, couldn't do anything with my right leg for like six months. I had to sit on a couch pretty much. And Jesus. so at that point I was sitting at home. I wasn't riding. I lost all my, sponsors pretty much at that point didn't have a ride and then uh just even being able to ride a bike again after that was like dude it, it took forever it seemed like like i thought i was good and i tried to get on a bike and i'd hit one jump and it was like i'd cry when i'd land her oh, so man. bad still so even i mean today i still got a fucked up walk i still live <laughs> from it but it's uh i don't know i i actually it fully recovered to where i could go ride again and i raced another two years after that and actually insane Still did pretty good. Still won won a couple more championships, and then ended up, ended up getting a really bad concussion after that. And uh, it was weird. I just had like these lingering conditions after that. Like I let it heal for a month. I didn't ride or anything just because I wanted to let it heal. And then I would go ride, and I'd get where I'd start getting like tired during a moto, and I would start blacking out, like not even know where I was. And like it was weird. I'd come off the track, not remember riding, not remember where I was, and it wasn't even like I was hit my head or anything. It's just like, just the stress of like riding was, I couldn't remember anything. So it was weird. And I hit my head again, crashed a couple weeks later. And I was like, fuck this. I'm, I'm over it. I'm, it's not, <laughs> it's it's not worth yeah. losing my life. Or yeah. Was losing the memory the, or the double fro- broken femur. Was that the gnarliest injury you've ever had? It, yeah. The, the last time I broke my femur, it definitely was the gnarliest one. And like the hardest one to get over of all my injuries. I had quite a few other ones that were pretty bad. Um, I mean, I got a fucking log long of broken bones, <laughs> yeah. but there was quite a few other ones. The one that hurt the worst actually was I broke my, the ball off of my humerus, just like the top of it, right where it goes in your socket. And that was, dude, it was so painful. I remember I got in the back of the ambulance and I literally just passed out from the pain at one point. <sighs> oh my God. Yeah. It hurt so bad, but that was actually the quickest bone I ever broke. I broke it, drove straight up to... I used to go to a guy in San Jose who was the doctor for like San Jose Sharks and a lot of the professional sports teams, uh, Dr. Ting. I went to him and he put a couple pins in it and I raced the regional qualifier like 15 days later and qualified <sighs> for that race. Loretta Lynn's Jesus. like 15 <laughs> days later with a broken arm. 
But uh, nuts. It was painful, dude. That that was the worst pain I'd ever felt in my life, dude. It was so painful. I never broke a bone, so I can't even imagine. But yeah, yeah, yeah no, just keep it that way. It's not <laughs> <Yeah>. fun. <laughs> what's uh, what's your favorite memory from riding moto? Oh, dude, there's so many. Um, I mean, the best part about it by far was just all the people I met. Like, I have friends from all over the country now, and like we still, like a lot of us don't race anymore, but we're still super close. Like, I'll see them on social media and stuff, mm-hmm. and we all kind of like a lot of uh, a lot of them made it big, and a lot of them are out racing professional, and a lot of them kind of are same boat as me. They're pretty much had to make it or break it and they didn't make it so they went to work and actually i got a trucking company now and fuck i got probably 10 15 of my buddies i grew up racing with that all drive trucks now too so it's kind of cool like we're all still doing the same thing um but yeah i mean there was a lot of good memories going back to i went to the czech republic in 2013 2014 one of those years for junior championships that was a super cool experience to get to go see that that's badass i went over to uh south africa and 2012 i think it was went over there for a month and raced a national over there and did like a training camp and just kind of explored the country went to botswana zimbabwe south africa went out to this lake out in like dude i don't know what it's called it's called kariba or something but place was wild they had like a full water park at this lake there was fucking alligators like Mm -hmm. people were catching (laughs) alligators and stuff like we were waking like they're like oh let's go wakeboarding you'd fall and there'd be a 10-foot alligator on the beach right there. And I'm like, <laughs> no. fuck this, dude. <laughs> Not normal. Yeah. And then, like, every time, like, we'd go out in the boat, and, like, oh, you guys want to swim? And, like, you'd have to go do, like, these circles in the boat because I guess it would scare the alligators away before you could jump in the water. Mm-hmm. But it was like, you jump in, and you just, as fast as you could get out of the water, it was like when you are a little kid and you are scared a shark was going to bite you or something. It was, it was pretty wild. That is wild. Uh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And those guys, they're, they're crazy. They're, like, they just want to party. They're insane. <laughs> Nuts. It's no big deal. Normal conditions for them day to day life. Yeah. To be just just playing with alligators. Yeah. And um, so aside from moto, you're also into what do you call like the spec truck racing or uh, trophy trucks? Yeah. I don't uh, want to mispronounce what it actually is, but uh, yeah. No, I'm also so now I I'm still like I just love racing going fast, and bro. going fast and Ricky Bobby any, anything that's an <laughs> adrenaline rush. So now I'm actually I'm racing off road cars, which is uh. It's really similar, but also really different. It's a lot, you got to pace yourself a lot more than moto. Whenever I did moto, I always was just like balls to the walls, pin it and go as fast as you can for as long as you could pretty much. And off roads, you got to, uh, you got to pace yourself. Like you got to slow it down to make it to the finish line. It's a lot more of an endurance race than moto was kind of. So the first couple of races I did, and that was a huge wake up call just because I was used to just pinning it and like, first one i remember i came around the first lap and everyone's like dude you're you're kicking everyone's ass you're way out in front and i'm like really like i don't even feel like i'm going that fast but whatever and then a couple miles later i broke the car but so uh, (laughs) i kind of learned that you can't really go that fast for a race in that but uh yeah no this year i i I started that back in 2019 and then uh we didn't do it for a year or two just because covid and stuff was going on and uh it was kind of canceled but uh got back into it this year and First race we did, we were doing really good at that. Ended up, my dad, me and him were splitting the driving duties, and he got in the car and ended up crashing it. But uh, after that, the next race, got the car back together. I won the next one, won the whole overall of it, beat the trophy trucks and everyone. Um, and then I got a second and got another second, ended up winning the championship my class this year for it. So Wow. Is that that video of you jumping it? Yeah, so yeah, the last was- race, it was... Uh, 
it was like a two-day race, and then they also have a big jump contest one night. Like, they build this big jump, and they got a big old crowd comes out, and a Black Rifle Coffee sponsor. They That's badass. And stuff. We love that coffee. And they uh, they put up, well, they said it was going to be ten grand for the winner, but they ended up splitting it up through a couple different classes. So uh, everyone was trying to talk me into doing it, and I'm like, nah, I don't want to do that. I'm just going to break <laughs> my fucking car. It's stupid. And they're like, no, I'll go do it. You got a good shot. You got a light car. It's fast. You could do good at it. And I'm like, all right, whatever. I'll go do it. I ended up winning it. I went uh, 174 feet in right class there, one. Right there, right there, right there. <laughs> yeah. That's so 174 crazy. feet. Yeah, 174 <laughs> feet, which. Uh, That's bonkers. Yeah, it was pretty big. It was fun. That's flying. That's nuts. How long are those races? <laughs> uh, this last one I did actually was the quickest one I've done. It was a two-day race, and it was about 100, or no, it was about 65 miles each day. Okay. So it was like 130 miles overall. But most of them on average are about three, four hundred, five hundred miles. Um, yeah. Over two day spans too, or yeah, they're uh, usually it's a couple days long. The race itself is usually just one day, but usually there's qualifying one day, um, which is just to get your starting position, kind of shake the car down, make sure the cars are working good, and just get a starting position. And then usually there's like a contingency they call it, which is they go through and they inspect your car, make sure it's all legal. It's got all the right specs done to it. It's got all the right safety equipment, um, all that kind of stuff. And it's just kind of, that's kind of just like a hangout event for everyone. There's a bunch of vendors and stuff for people to check out. All the fans can come look at the race car and stuff like that. And then usually the next day after that's race. But yeah, if it's like the longest one I do is 500 miles and that one usually goes about eight, nine hours. Damn. So it's it's done in one day usually, but usually we'll start mid-morning and we finish up in the early evening as it's starting to get dark if you're lucky. And if you're not lucky, you're broken out in the desert <laughs> till oh. 2 or 3 in the morning, which Fuck. has been my case several times so far, which is not fun. You're usually freezing your ass off and not wanting haven't to eaten there. anything all day, haven't drank anything all day. And, yeah, it's not fun, but uh, it'll teach you to not break the car and make it to the finish line. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Yeah. When um, you kind of stopped with your moto career and you transitioned to business, were you doing uh, the spec racing the whole time? Or was that like, did you get into business and then kind of pick that up later thinking like, I need something else to do? Um, I kind of got out of moto and I didn't really have any plan for anything. Kind of just wanted to go home and kind of regroup. And that's when I, I moved home and I pretty much just went straight to work whenever I moved home. So I started working and I think... I worked, I don't know, I probably worked for like a year. And then in that time, my dad kind of had an idea and he'd already started building a car because he wanted to go do it. And then, uh, I don't know, it's probably, it was like the end of the year after I started working. We uh, we got the car done and went and tested it and did the first race. And we raced three or four races that year. And I don't think we finished a single one. <laughs> so it kind of was like a huge letdown at first. We were throwing a bunch of money at it, trying to figure it out and... We, we did finish the last one, but it was like uh, we barely made it before they closed the finish line. It was we ran out of gas at one point. The uh, motor was blown up. I mean, we were it was a 500 mile race and I think we were 17 hours and change to the finish line. So it was a long day. Damn. So it wasn't very there was no reward in it really yet. And, uh, <laughs> Just experience. So, yeah. yeah, at that point, my dad was kind of over it. And so the car sat in the back of the shop and then COVID hit and all that crap. And this year I was like, I want to go race. I'm, I'm tired of sitting at home. I want to go do something. So. I got the car out. I got it running, and we went and did the first one, and we did good. And then I won the second one, so it's like, 
We're doing this. It was fish on at that point. We're going <laughs> right. for it again. We're doing this. Right. And then, uh, yeah, since then, my brother, he, uh, he's gotten a spec truck, which mine's a, mine's a buggy, and it's unlimited. So I got unlimited modifications I could do to the engine, suspension, all that kind of stuff. Um, he's in a truck, which is unlimited suspension. You could do whatever you want as far as suspension mods go, but it's a limited engine. So it's, I think it's an LS3 or something like that, and it's whatever, 400 horse. But it's actually a super fun class. It's super it's that competitive. One, right? uh, that's the buggy there. Oh, that's the buggy? Yeah. Uh, if you go up to my brother's Instagram, he's probably got pictures of yeah, it, Potsy I'm sure. Potsy701 is his Instagram. He's probably like, Potsy? What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it right there. That's him and that thing. So he uh, he started racing that thing the beginning of this year, too. And He's kind of same boat as me. He can't make it to the finish line yet, but he can fucking drive that thing. Really? He whips that thing, dude. dude. He he can wheel for sure. So, older or younger brother? He's younger than me. He's uh, I think he's eighteen right now, but uh, he's grown up his whole life. He he raced motocross with me growing up, but he never was really into it. He just Mm -hmm. did it for fun because I was doing it. And then uh, yeah, that was what happened. (laughs) Yeah, that was the last race there. So he had a a couple complications there. He qualified really good. He actually qualified second in his class, and that was his third race ever. And uh, first lap, he it was a lap race. So he went out, and he hit. There's this one gnarly section on the track that everyone kind of knows about that's done that race, but me, neither me or him had done that race before. So we kind of were going to the unknown, which that's a lot of off-road is you don't really know the course ahead, so that's the hard part about it. Yeah, that's crazy. And he, uh, he hit that spot, and I think there's actually a video on his Instagram somewhere. It's that... It might be that very last video. I think if you watch it to the end, it's at the very end. He, uh, but he endoed and ripped the whole bumper off and wow. all that stuff was bent up. And then they actually restarted his race because a couple people had crashed and he went back out and he came over oh. another blind roller and there was a car broke down the backside and he landed right in the back of a car doing about 40 miles an hour and it destroyed the front of the truck. So he couldn't race the next day, unfortunately, but, uh, wow. Yeah. How fast are you going? Uh, he's probably going about a hundred right there in that video. And how fast are you going? How fast are you going to yours? Um, when I was hitting that jump in the contest, I think I was only going about 80, but the lip was pretty big. My car will do. I think the best I've got out of it is 147 though. <laughs> Holy it's shit. got an 850 horse small block <laughs> in it and it, it gets it. Yeah. Damn. How many people are in the race at once? Um, usually they'll, they'll split it up through a couple different classes. So it's, they try to keep it limited, but, uh. My class doesn't have a whole lot of people in it. Usually it's five to ten people in my class, but I race combined with other classes. So I race combined with the unlimited trophy trucks. Usually there's anywhere from 15 to 25 in that class. And then they'll usually throw in the limited trucks with us as well, which that class is stacked. It's got like 30 dudes normally. So I don't know. It kind of all depends. Anywhere from 30, 40 to 60 guys out there. Does that happen? You said your brother hit somebody? Yeah, so he Does that was happen a lot where people are like close. Yeah, no, it, it definitely happens. They they actually have these tracking devices that we use and it's the technology of it's crazy. So every vehicle has a tracking device and if you're broken down, it notifies you. Like say someone broke down in front of me and I'm coming up on them, it'll start flashing a hazard and it'll give me a 6, which means I'm 600 feet out of 5, oh, 500 shit. feet out. And it'll like count down the feet to you, but I mean they don't always work spot on, but for when they do work, the technology of them is insane. 
And then they got like Wi-Fi and stuff. You can, if you break down, you can program it to get Wi-Fi signal off it to call people. You can press a button on it, say if you have a mechanical issue, if you have an emergency health issue. That's cool. There's all kinds of buttons on it that it notifies this big tracking thing that notifies the race promoter. So it, uh, it's a huge thing for safety. I mean, it it works really well, but unfortunately in his circumstance, I guess he didn't see it or the the tractor was broken. I don't really know, but, uh, yeah, it didn't work for him. He, he hit the guy pretty hard. Damn. You have any big races coming up? Um, right now, the next one on the schedule is beginning of January, Parker. It's like the first one of the series I do. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping I get my car back together for that one. It I lost a transmission like five miles from the finish line on the last one. So What do you mean? It just fell out? <laughs> no. <laughs> it, uh, it started shifting hard, and it ended up being the pinion bearing went out in it and shifted the whole gear set back, which I don't know. Pretty much just in the end costs a lot of money to yeah, fix. Yeah. But uh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it smoked the transmission. I didn't make it to the finish line on the last one. But uh hopefully we'll get that rebuilt and get that all cleaned up, put the motor back in it and get it ready to go for the next one. And then after that there's three or four of the races throughout the year. There's one they do, the big King of Hammers off road race they oh, do yeah, here. Yeah. So they actually about two years ago they made a class for what my car races there. They do it earlier in the week, Monday or Tuesday, I think. But they always put up a stupid amount of money for that if you go win that. So I'd like to do that this year if I can. Oh. The race isn't very fun. I've heard driving-wise in a off-road buggy just because it's more like pretty gnarly rock shit and you're beating the shit out of the car. But it's also not very long. I think it's only about 80 miles. But I don't know. If they're going to put up a bunch of money and there's a bunch of hype around it, it, I've heard a bunch of stuff about hammers that it's a blast. So I'd like to go down there and do that one if we can. Yeah. But we'll see. if It kind of always just depends if the car's in good enough shape or – yeah. What? Because I mean, it's it, dude. It's so much work just to keep the car maintained race to race. I mean, there's there's usually about a month or two between race, but it's a month or two of work you got to do to a car, and then mm-hmm. trying to do that on top of my job and yeah, on top of I got a baby at home and all kinds yeah. of shit. So it's a uh, a new one on the way. Yeah, another one on the way. So it's it's a lot of work for sure. Slips through the cracks, understandably. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you tell us, um, you touched a little bit on about it right at the beginning, but your businesses, you said after Moto, you took a segment of something your dad was working on and kind of grew that more. Uh, what exactly is that? Yeah, so I got North Coast Wine, and it's a trucking company. We haul bulk wine, like literally the wine you drink out of a bottle. It's in a big tanker. So before it's getting bottled, it's in like its production phase where in the beginning, like a couple months ago, they were just crushing all the grapes. So we were hauling a lot of juice which is before they fermented, so it's got a bunch of sugar, and it's a lot heavier, actually. Um, but, yeah, we'll move it all over. Whenever it's juice, it'll move from a production facility to a storage facility to ferment, and then once it's fermented, sometimes they adjust alcohol levels in it and stuff, so it'll literally go to, like, a like what you could consider, like, a wine doctor, and they'll adjust alcohol levels and all kinds of stuff in it, and then we'll halt to a bottling facility or whatever it needs to go to next. So it actually it moves a shitload. So I got 13 trucks running on that. And, uh, yeah, it was something my dad started back in the late 90s. And he also did a lot of fuel and propane and stuff like that. But I didn't really want the headache of all that because he had, shit, a couple hundred trucks doing that. So I didn't want him to take over all that. So he sold all that stuff off, and I took over the smaller piece. And I've been kind of growing that and having fun with kind of cleaning it all up, cleaning all the trucks up, making them look good. They're beautiful. I was looking at crazy Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're they're uh try i got a couple good drivers that take a lot of good pride in them and 
So yeah, usually we'll go to a couple shows a year and stuff like that and go check out other people's stuff and kind of just get ideas for new ones. And I'm building one right now for myself in the shop. I was working on it this morning and, uh, it should hopefully be pretty cool when it's done. I'm doing a bunch of different stuff on it that I've seen a little bit here and there. Just kind of take ideas from mm-hmm. a bunch of different builds I've seen, kind of try to put it together, which I finished one about a year ago and it came out badass. I got one of my drivers in that that keeps phenomenal care of it. Things insane. Is that the clean. red one? Yeah, it's red and silver. Ah, yeah. That one's pretty. It yeah. is pretty. So it, it usually looks pretty good going down the road. The guy that drives it, he's clean freak. And uh, we actually just went back to the Peterbilt factory in Denton, Texas, a couple weeks ago for an invitational show back there. And everyone back there was, like, in love with it. They liked it a lot. So it was super cool to get all that appreciation on it because we put a lot of hard work into the build and stuff. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. I uh, I do have a question about that, though. Like, you're pretty good on social media, bro. Like, does that, like, transfer over to the business at all? Like, does, does it help the business with when you're, because we're a creative marketing agency. So like, that's what we do is social media. Right. So like, does it, does it help you directly with your business with having a strong, like a strong social media presence? Um, I definitely think it does. There's like a lot of the wineries aren't really into the whole social media scene. It doesn't seem like to me, like some of them are, there definitely are some, and we do get work like here and there. Like we'll get people that'll call us to like, Oh, we saw your trucks on Instagram or, yeah. Even though sometimes they'll see them going on the road. No, they're super nice. Like we have some work. So we'll get work through that sometimes, but it, it isn't as much work as I'd like. Yeah. I would love for it to be able to just blow it up on social media and just have people calling nonstop. Cause that'd be awesome. <laughs> definitely. But, uh, it's not really as, as easy as it sounds, but it definitely does help. I think. And I don't know, it's still fun too. Like we'll make videos of the trucks and stuff yeah. and post them and, I mean, even if it's not wineries liking it, it's just, it's still people out there that appreciate it. And it's still cool to have appreciation for the stuff we do. Definitely. I was curious about that too, because you said not a lot of wineries are doing it and definitely not a lot of truckers are doing it. So like, yeah. How did you kind of find ways to make that like sexy in that industry where not a lot of people, like people are normally shying away from it? Um, My wife, definitely. I mean, she's, she's pretty good at social media. Shout out to Morgan. Yeah. She's in the back back there. And, uh, so yeah, she definitely kind of helped me and I have, uh, I have a driver, Brandon. He's actually pretty good at that shit. He's got, he's into like show pickups and stuff like that. So he, uh, he just started making videos of the truck and putting them on TikTok and stuff like that, dude. And it blew up. And so now he's like TikTok famous and everyone (laughs) loves his shit. I think he had, yeah, I don't know how many followers he had. He got banned at one point. His account got deleted, but (laughs) now he's back up to 25,000 or something like that. But, uh, Yeah. And we so, we love it. It's it creates a unique selling proposition for what you guys do because, like you said, nobody yeah. else within the industry is doing it. Yeah, no, it's I don't know. It's kind of different, but it's it's kind of I just kind of take a little bit from what I like. I see realtors posting stuff like that, and obviously yeah. get some business. And then mm-hmm. I see I don't know. I did it with Moto. I would post stuff for Moto, and that's how I'd get sponsors. Is if you had followers and you could get their name out there, and they would want to help you out and give you stuff. So it I don't know. I kind of just kind of combined it all and put it into that. And I don't know if it helps or not really, but it's, <laughs> I don't know. I still have fun doing it. I think it does. I think it does for I sure. I was watching a video um, on social media content strategy today. And there was this quote that uh, competitors are collaborators. And that like lesson she was giving from that is uh, like, you should be learning from what your competition or like other people on social media are posting, not in competition with it itself, but 
yeah. just take those ideas and, and yeah, apply no, them take, to your take world. Notes. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. no, you definitely can learn a lot throughout social media. And I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there, a lot of resources on it for sure. Yep. I'm curious too, um, did Moto growing up in that lifestyle, that competitive environment, did that translate to business? Was there any parallels there that like you realized, oh, I learned, I learned this from riding dirt bikes and now like that's helping me as a leader in business, you know, run this establishment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Moto was, I definitely got like a good worth at work ethic, I think for Moto just cause dude, you had to put in so much work for it. Like it was, it was so much work for so little reward. Sometimes it was so frustrating, which that was the part that I hated about it. Or like you put in so much work and you end up getting hurt or something like that. So it definitely gives you a really good work ethic. Like for Moto, I was waking up in the morning, going to the gym, going to the track, riding, going back to the gym, with broken femurs. Yeah, with broken, <laughs> broken femurs. But, Walking uh, around on broken legs. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, I mean, trying to eat healthy and all that. So it kind of like it disciplines you. It gives you a good mm-hmm. work ethic. So I definitely feel like that helped in my work environment. Um, I mean, there's all kinds of shit. I learned from all kinds of stuff I did growing up that, uh, I mean, my dad, he taught me so much, like more than anyone else in the world for sure on as far as work and running a business and respect for people. And I don't know. My dad's definitely taught me more than anyone. So shout out to him. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Shout out to him for sure. (laughs) That's awesome. I love my dad too. Yeah. Um, As you grow older, it's funny how you, you connect those dots of like just how pivotal, like a great parent is in someone's life. Like just how much they cast an effect. So that's awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah. What's the, uh, craziest jump you've ever hit bro because i remember seeing videos of you and glamis yeah no, sending it over sand dunes bro definitely was glamis and we are up on osborne lookout in glamis which if you've ever been to glamis it's like the tallest dune point like the, you can look over all the dunes in glamis so we're up on there and my buddy brandon who's a filmer we we're out there bureau? We make, yeah brandon yeah. bureau we uh we were out there making a video that week and we'd done one the year prior, and, well, there was a couple jumps. There was another one, but uh, this one, he's like, we were just sitting up there, and there was just this, it was like the highest dune we could see from there. And he's like, dude, look at that double out there. And I'm like, yeah, it looks like a double from here, dude, but we're going to get there, and you're not, it's impossible. It's not going to be doable. And we got there, and this thing was monstrous. The lip was, I don't know, 100 feet tall, and then it was probably a 150, 160-foot big step down, down a hill, but it was just like a deep valley. Like if you came up short, you were dead with like, he's like, you could do it, dude. And I'm like, dude, fuck you. I'm not doing it. So we just, I'm like, I'm leaving. I'm like, I'm leaving you here. We're not hitting this. So I just left. And then we were back out there. I think the next day or the next day later after that. And he's like, dude, you should just roll it once and see if you could do it. I'm like, all right, whatever. I'll roll it. And I rolled over it once and I rode up to him. He's like, what do you think? I was like, I don't know. He's like, all right. And he's like, well, I'll just film it just in case you hit it or something. And I'm like, I'm not hitting it. And I went up, and I came down, and I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to hit it. And I, rop, 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 and perfect, downsided <laughs> it. Couldn't have been any better. And uh, But leading up to that, I was like, dude, I don't know if I'm going to die or make it. or Send I don't know it, what's going to happen here. It's going to be wild, it. though. <laughs> I was like, either way, I guess it'll be on film. It'll be cool. But <laughs> it was uh, it was a hairy moment for sure. Yeah, no, that video is crazy, bro. Yeah. I'll, I, I'll put it up there. In it's the, on there. In the post. But then <laughs> I... Uh, Right after that, he's like, oh, uh, 
let's go jump the canal, which the canal jumps there is like famous. Like people have been doing it since the nineties, like all the crusty demons videos and stuff. People were doing it and there's just hectic videos. People coming up short and falling in the canal. So he's like, Oh, let's go jump the canal. I thought about it the year before and I'm like, nah, dude, it's just, it's too squirrely. Like it's super illegal. The Rangers bust you if you get caught. And so I went down there and I ended up and it's actually, that jump's not that bad. It's not big. It's just, you got to jump a river. So it's kind of sketchy <laughs> to jump a river. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I don't know. I rolled up to that one or two times. I'm like, fuck it, let's do this. So I jumped that. And since that I'll, Every time I bring a bike down there, I go jump it just for fun. <laughs> but it's usually you jump it, and as you land, there's a row of rangers heading for you, so you just got to beeline it back to camp after that. <laughs> but I remember the first time I jumped it, actually. I jumped it, and it was the same deal. Like, I hit it, and I went back and hit it again. And the second time I landed, there was already, like, three rangers coming off the hill because the ranger station's right at the landing of it. And I was like, fuck it, all right, let's go back. And we started riding back, and I made it, like, not even a half mile. My bike just locked up. Oh, so oh, literally, like, oh no. if I would have hit it one more time, my bike probably would have locked up on the jump. So oh, yeah, no. I got lucky. Damn. Yeah, that's very lucky for sure. Yeah. Something about those gut feelings that's just like, let's go back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, bro. What's, yeah. a, uh, what's a day in the life look like for you now running your business? Um, right now we're kind of coming in a slow season. So I just been doing a lot of work in the shop. Um, I'm trying to get this truck I'm building right now done. So right now it's pretty much wake up five thirty, six o'clock, head down to the shop, work down there. And if I got something going on down here yesterday, I had to come down and went to a meeting down in Napa today. I worked in the morning, came down and played some golf just to freshen up on my golf game. Oh, I got yeah. a, got a big yeah. tournament, tournament coming up here. Uh, weekend after thanksgiving for a company we do every year kind of like a big get together at the end of the year do a christmas party and a golf tournament and it's more just go have some beers and kind of take a day off from work and have fun with everyone from work but uh it's fun i like i'm competitive so i still gotta you gotta hone those skills right yeah yeah no (laughs) i I got a crisp up on my game so i went down played some golf midday today but uh i mean normally when we're working we're busy it's usually it does actually it varies get up sometimes midnight sometimes two or three in the morning and go truck and uh go get a load of wine come back and unload that and then usually spend the afternoon wiping the truck down getting it clean back up for the next day but uh yeah right now i'm kind of slow i haven't really been in the truck for the last couple months just been trying to get this new one built and kind of trying to stay home with my wife because she's pregnant right now so trying to be there for her but uh good dad hopefully (laughs) Hopefully here in the next couple months, we'll have our new baby and my new truck will be done and I'll start trucking again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you, uh, do you have like a, a vision for where you want to build that company to, like a fleet of trucks, a goal you have with it? or? Yeah. Um, not really that I'd want to grow it, mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, I'd like to grow it maybe a little bit, but I don't. I just wanted to get like more quality, I guess. Yeah. Quality Hell over yeah. quantity. I don't for really sure. want, yeah, I don't, I mean, if I get too big, it just, it kind of becomes too big of a headache, too big of a pain in the ass. So I don't really want it to get huge. I would like to, I mean, I wouldn't mind growing it one and a half what it is or something right now, get it up to 15-ish trucks, something like that. But uh, I don't really want it to blow up huge. I mean, it just seems like too much of the pain in the ass. I want to still right. be able to kind of know everyone there and still kind of be able to control everything very easily. So where it's at right now i love it and it's it's a lot of fun and i've learned a lot and definitely made quite a few mistakes and fucked up quite a few shit but you I gotta mean, learn part of the process you learn as you go yeah. so it's yeah is there an urge like you buy a 2022 peterbilt 
pimp it out and everything, and then 2023 they drop some new features, and you're like, damn, is there an urge to always be getting like the next new or? Um, in most every other thing I do, yes, I have that urge. <laughs> but in Peter belts, I just want to buy older ones and older ones and older ones. It's kind of like an old pickup. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd gotcha. rather have an old classic pickup than a brand new one, almost. So, yeah. Peter belts are very similar. Like they. They don't really make them like they used to. I guess they say they just keep modernizing with more technology and just kind of becomes more of a pain in the ass. So you almost like the old ones, but yeah, something about those old ones. Yeah, yeah, they're just they're aged. It's like fine wine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, so the one a new one I'm building right now it actually is the 2023, and supposedly this next year 2024 model is going to be the last year of their 389, which is like the the old school looking truck they make. They're going to do away with that model after 2024. So the value of those trucks has gone stupid lately. Yeah. Like a brand new one is, it went up from, it's gone, it's inflated like 180% in the last two years, <laughs> which is insane. That is crazy. Yeah. And what? even used trucks. I mean, used trucks, this value of them right now is stupid. You could, really? You could have bought a truck three or four years ago and you could double your money on it today on it. It's Damn. insane. What, so, what do you think of uh, like, the electric trucking talk, like Elon Musk, Tesla making trucks and all that stuff. What do you think of all that buzz? Yeah, that shit's crazy, bro. It's crazy. I One mean, person drives in front, and eight trucks follow it. Are you are you yeah, buying a Tesla work. truck? Yeah, bro. I'm I'm not sold yet. No, <laughs> I'm definitely not sold. Um, just mainly for the fact of like the recharging stuff right now i mean there's just not enough resources i don't feel like like it's yeah not like gas stations yeah, yeah it's not like you just roll in and get gas and i mean a truck you get gas and you could drive another thousand miles and not really have to worry about it like yeah, you don't want to get stuck in one of those i don't really speak. know what the oh. the ranges are on the teslas and stuff yet i haven't really heard many stats on those i don't think they're they're very out to the public yet peterbilt has a truck that's available to the public they don't make a whole lot of them but it's available to the public but it only gets i think 150 miles loaded range and then i think it takes a couple hours to recharge so it's like it's not really practical i guess yeah. if you're doing local deliveries and just going out and doing whatever 50 100 miles a day it probably makes really good sense with how fuel prices are right now i mean you could yeah. save a lot of money for sure but it for if you're going out and doing a couple hundred miles a day it just it's not practical it doesn't work right. how far are you transporting things um, it kind of all depends. I mean, I got three or four trucks that are just stay in Napa, Sonoma County. So yeah, they're local trucks like that. They're 50, miles a day. So it would work for stuff like that. But then quite often we'll go down like Paso Robles. We'll go down to uh like Fresno area quite a bit. And then we got a lot of stuff comes out of Oregon, Washington. So, I mean, on stuff like that, we're doing five, 600 miles a day. So it, it wouldn't work for something like that at all. Not at all. What's the longest you've ever gone? Like yourself? Um, uh, I've done quite a few that were pretty stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've gone far. It's not very legal either, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Me and my buddy Clayton, we did like 1,500 miles a couple months ago. <laughs> straight. Did it in like Damn. 18 hours or something like that, 19 hours. Loaded in Texas and drove straight to Ventura Beach for a truck show because we wanted to go to the truck show the next day. <laughs> but uh, Wild. I done, I've done Texas straight home. I think two or three times left like Dallas area and drove straight home to Ukiah. <gasps> Damn. I had Morgan with me once. I How think many hours is that? Uh, Texas is pretty close to 30 hours. <laughs> Professional driving right there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, pretty much about the time you hit the California state line, you don't even, you're fucking so out of it. You're fried. <laughs> but I don't know. You just keep going. 
Yeah. Like, you see any crazy shit while you're driving ever? Yeah, definitely a <laughs> lot. Sure. Like at the nights for sure, you see a lot of crazy shit. Like I remember the, I don't know, probably was like the second or third week I was driving. I was going south through Petaluma, I think like, I don't know, one or two in the morning. And all of a sudden there was like just a shitload of sirens behind me. And I'm like, fuck what I do wrong. Like I started freaking out thinking I was getting pulled over. And so I just like started pulling off the side of the freeway. And as I started pulling off, like I could still see the sirens. They're probably like a half mile behind me. And this minivan blows by me with no lights on doing like a buck 20, just flying. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then there probably was 15, 20 other CHP hauling ass behind it. And then as I got back on, like there was more merging on the freeway next to me. Jesus. And I guess he was in a high speed chase. In a minivan. In a minivan. (laughs) And he ended up crashing somewhere down in the Bay Area. And I think he died when he crashed. No way. But it was was pretty wild. I remember like reading about it the next day and I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, I saw that guy. Actually, I have a Snapchat on my phone still, I think somewhere. (laughs) Just the chaos. And I'm just like, holy shit. It was, yeah, a guy just flying by, no lights on or anything. But, I mean, there's, you'll be driving down the road, and there'll just be, like, a random dude standing in the middle of the freeway sometimes, and you're like, what the fuck? Like, was that a person, or am I seeing shit? <laughs> like, like oh. there's such weird shit out in the middle of the night, like, going through the city and stuff like that, like, stuff you would never imagine. I remember I was going through the city one night, like, I came over the, I don't know what bridge that is there, but, like, where the 580 Bay Bridge interchange yeah. bullshit is all that, and I was dropping off that bridge, and there was just, where all the bums live down there, dude, there's just a ripping bonfire, like <laughs> massive 20, 30 foot tall bonfire going on down there. And Jesus. I'm like, holy shit, like, <laughs> the guy's going to catch the, I don't know if he's going to catch on fire, but it's like, lawless it, over there. It, it yeah. pretty, seems pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're just driving just like, oh. yeah, look at that. <laughs> I mean, there's, you definitely see a lot of crazy shit at night though. Yeah. I've yet to see it, but I've had a, a couple buddies, like cars will pull up next to them and there'll be like chicks in there, dudes in there just like, Jacking one off or <laughs> getting the Because you're sitting at the, yeah, you're I mean, way higher than all yeah, the other you're cars. way higher. So like, oh, you can see everything. <laughs> so you just, like, you, you can down. just look down and be like, oh, what's going on there? <laughs> like I've yet to have it, but I have a buddy. He's had like three dudes roll up on him and just beating their dick off, which is. Same s- car? S- no, not same uh, car, uh, but like, I don't know if he, same they car. Just, he's got a gay truck or what. Yeah. <laughs> they're magnetic. They're attracted to him. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what the deal is, but he has oh, some pretty no. crazy stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you like got to start UFO questioning where shit? he's driving. What's that? <laughs> Any like UFO or crazy shit? Uh, yeah, oh, I did see one. On. Yeah, when I, first, when I first started driving the little package delivery truck, I was driving around Clear Lake, and I don't know what it was. Like, it was something got launched into the sky. I just saw it like over Mount Kanakdai. I don't remember what the hell it was. Clear Lake is it probably up, a pretty good place to see some UFOs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I remember it was super weird. Like I just, I was super thirsty, so I pulled into a like a Tower Mart gas station there, and I bought like a water and a Red Bull. And it was it was early in the morning. I think it was three or four in the morning, so I was kind of tired too. And all of a sudden, I just seen this like white light going through the sky, and I was like, "What in the fuck is this?" <laughs> and then. Aliens. So I think I just got in the truck, and I remembered I just turned on Rocket Man and was blasting Rocket Man. <laughs> I love watching it. this thing, and I was like, "Wow, this is wild." I don't know what it was. It was some satellite or something they were launching in the sky, but it was pretty crazy. Aliens. Do you believe in aliens and shit like that? No. No. Yet, yet to see one. So no. <laughs> That's a I'm fair not a believer answer. Yet. Fair. That's a fair answer. Fair. Um, what advice do you have for? A 17 year 18 year old kid who's dreaming of starting his own trucking company one day do it um i mean just <laughs> go it. for it i mean if at 17 18 i feel like you don't really have a whole lot to lose i mean you if you have someone that'll support you or you have a way to go for it i say do it and i mean 
you can't really fuck up that bad. I don't feel like. I mean, I mean, if you total a truck or something like I was that, say flip a truck in the middle yeah, of the road. I mean, your first go. you got a big <laughs> liability on that wise, but I mean, as long as you're just, I don't know, you take your time and know what you're doing, you'll be fine. Um, but I mean, any kid at that age, I feel like if they don't want to go do something like that, just do it. I mean, like a lot of seems like a lot of kids now they're just going to like trade schools and stuff, and I think yeah. that's an awesome choice. I mean, I didn't go to college at all. I didn't. I barely graduated high school. I I went freshman year, and after that, I went independent study and just did all my shit while I was at the dirt bike tracks. So I don't know. I didn't really have a whole lot of education as far as that stuff goes. I kind of just more of a hands-on learner, like start doing it, and you'll learn it as you go. So I don't know. Which that's that age, that's like, how I am, bro. Like yeah. I don't know. Experience I learned way better teacher. through experience. Like, yeah, no, exactly. I just even if someone tries to teach me how to do something, like usually I'll just do it my way first until I fuck <laughs> it up, and then I was like, all right, yeah, that makes sense. That's why he's told me to do it like yep. that. Yep, yep, totally. Best way to learn. But first yeah. hand. <laughs> yeah, Best so way I'm, to learn. I'm definitely a first hand learner for sure. I'll break it two or three times and then finally figure it out and then do it right. Fuck yeah, I could relate to that. Yeah. What do you think? Some of the um, like second generation entrepreneur, businessman, biggest or like most valuable lessons you've learned from your pop? Um, dude, I don't, there's so many. Um, he's taught me so much stuff on like how to be smart with money. And now that he's retired, he's like learning so much more stuff about like, he never really did any of the like stock market stuff growing up. Like he kind of just worked and that's how he made his money. But now he's got, money to try to invest into that kind of stuff and he's kind of playing that game and i don't really think right now it's working out great for him but i mean it's kind of <laughs> a bad time for it but uh so he's taught me a lot about that recently which is actually it's super interesting and like all the stuff you can do with it and then uh but i mean as far as the just like running a business stuff like that like i don't know he always just all his employees always respected him i think just kind of because he was there and like they saw him do all the work. I mean, I think growing up, he didn't really, I mean, his, his dad had a big company kind of just like my dad. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like it was given to us, but we, so we definitely had to earn it kind of. So I think that was kind of like his biggest thing is he kind of made me start at the bottom and learn every part of it. So that was kind of the best lesson he taught me. It was just, you need to work here and learn this. Know and everything do this and learn this and then go work here and you'll learn this. And so, I mean, even when I was racing, I kind of, whenever I'd come home and I was hurt, he would, he always kind of knew like in the end, like at that point, at some point I'd come to work for him. So I would go, I'd work in the truck shop and start working on trucks just so I knew like the mechanics of the trucks. And then sometimes I'd come home and I would do inventory in his warehouse, uh, oil packages and crap like that. Like I just did so much different stuff. Every time I came home, he kind of had a different job for me. So it, when I came home, I always hated it. I'm like, why don't I just do the same thing every time? Like, I just want to go, like, work on trucks or weld stuff in the shop. But he's like, no, you do this for a couple of weeks. So he kind of, doing that taught me a lot. And I definitely enjoy that part. Like, it, I don't know. I could, if I have a problem with my company now, like, no matter what it is, I feel like I kind of can figure out how to fix it. I mean, even if a truck breaks down somewhere, like, I could be on the phone with the driver and be like, oh, we'll try this, this, this. And I feel like that's this huge. And yes. You could fix it. Because, I mean, half the time, if they're broke down and, couple hundred miles away you're paying a mechanic stupid money just to drive to them and then they got to go drive and get parts and then drive back and get more parts and so i mean it's and sometimes it's like the simplest little thing that it could be a five minute fix and it but i mean if you're calling a service truck it's a couple thousand dollars for a service truck just come out there so i don't know 
stuff like that, I definitely, he's super good at all kinds of stuff like that. Like he's super mechanically savvy and stuff like that. And so I don't know. I learned a lot of good stuff like that from him for sure. It helps Huge. me. That's yeah. super awesome. That is, it's cool that you got to experience all the different parts of the business because yeah, we say this all the time. Polo and I, when we started out with Forza Media, mm-hmm. we um, were trying to do everything ourselves, but that was needed during that time yeah. for us to understand all of our business. Yeah, because, no, exactly. Yeah, otherwise we wouldn't know how to communicate to the people that are handling those things now. Yeah, no, you so, definitely kind of got to start at the bottom and kind of just work your way up. And yeah, it's very important. It's it definitely makes you understand how the business runs a lot better. Yeah. Even if you were to try to shortcut it, just go to the top, you're going to run into those problems regardless. Yeah. So no, you might as well just At some point, you got to learn them, so you <laughs> might as well just start at the bottom. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't make sense to go to the top and fall back down to the bottom. Exactly. So. Like, just take it slow. Just make your way up, yeah. A uh, uh, general in war who's never experienced war the way the troops have will never be able to truly like hear their problems and help them because they'll never have that firsthand taste. So yeah, no, it's, it's only a fucking a blessing and a positive from going through that in whichever way. Yep, exactly. Hell yeah! Right on, guys. We got any oh, yeah. more any more questions for him? We've been we've been drilling them with questions. I know for about an hour now. So. Um, You've been doing else? great with the questions. Yeah, dude, oh, yeah, this, this is awesome, man. You've been killing it. Yeah. <laughs> Been, Thank you. It, oh yeah. Um, you got any things you want to shout out? Um, shout out to you guys for having me on here. Hey, are hey, having fun. <laughs> this place is super cool. Uh, I didn't even know this that, was here. I mean, I knew TJ was doing this, but I didn't know you guys had this office and all this stuff going on. So, thank this you. This place man. is badass. Cool. Th- thank, thank you, you bro. We appreciate that. What's your um your Instagram, your business's Instagram, your racing Instagram, and everything, just so people could go follow you on there who are listening. Yeah, no, if you want to go check it out, uh, my Instagram is barbieri972. My name's Cole Barbieri. Um, my business Instagram is North Coast Wine. It's, uh, I mean, we post all kind of cool cool stuff on there. We post the trucks. We post it's a us sick having, page. It us is a having, sick yeah. page. Yeah, us having fun at truck shows and us loading wine, like stuff you see us, like kind of how the wine's produced and how it's hauled, all kinds of stuff like that. So Absolutely. If you're into trucks, trucks or wine yeah, yeah, or... The trucks are crazy. Having fun, go check that out. And then uh, also our race team Instagram is Barx Offroad, which, yeah, again, there's all kinds of cool stuff posted on there. It's doing jumps and corners and crashing and breaking crap and... <laughs> Rebuilding it and doing it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, laying on the side of the road, fixing crap, but... Yeah, no, there's all kinds of cool stuff. So if you want to go check any of that out, check us out on there. And uh, feel free to comment, like, message us, whatever you want. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're literally videos you watch and say, holy fuck, every yeah. time you watch one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on, bro. Well, thank you very much for coming on, man. We yeah, really thank appreciate you, your time and sharing everything with us. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely have to have you back on here again to just shoot the shit some more. Yeah, no, definitely would like to oh, be on yeah, bro. Right on, man. All right, everyone tuning in, thank you very much for doing so. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, comment, and peace. Peace.